0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Studies on the Go. This week we're going to be looking at Module 16, Lesson 5, not 4. We'll be doing that a little later in the week. And you can actually do notes with a partner as we'll do a check-in as a partnership uh, tomorrow. So, um, before we get into women's rights, we'll start off with a joke. Why did the teacher stop giving tests at the zoo? Because it's full of cheetahs. All right, here we go. Women's rights. Women struggle struggle for equal rights. Fighting for the rights of African Americans led many female abolitionists to fight for women's rights. In the mid-1800s, these women found that they had to defend their right to speak in public, particularly when a woman addressed both men and women. For example, members of the press, the clergy, and um, even some male abolitionists criticized the Grimke sisters. These critics thought that the sisters should not give public speeches. They did not women they did not want women to leave their traditional female roles. The Grimke's protested that women had a moral duty to lead the anti slavery movement. Early writings for women's rights. In eighteen thirty eight, Sarah Grimke published a pamphlet arguing for equal rights for women. She titled it, Letters on the Equality of the Sexes and Condition of Women. Here's a quote from it. I ask no favors for my sex. All I ask our brethren, brothers, is that they will take their feet from off our necks and permit us to stand upright on the ground which God designed us to occupy. Sarah Grimke also argued for equal educational opportunities. She pointed out laws that negatively affected women. In addition, she demanded equal pay for equal work. Sarah Grimke never married. She explained that the government did not protect the rights of women. The laws of the day gave a husband complete control of his wife's property. Therefore, she feared that by marrying, she would become more like a slave than a wife. Her sister, Angelina, did marry, but she refused to promise to obey her husband during their marriage ceremony. She married Theodore Weld, an abolitionist. Weld agreed to give up his legal right to control her property after they married. For the Grimkes, the abolitionist principles and women's rights principles were identical. In 1845, the famous transcendentalist Margaret Fuller published Woman in the 19th Century. This book used well-known sayings to explain the role of women in American society. Fuller used democratic and transcendentalist principles to stress the importance of individualism to all people, especially women. The book influenced many leaders of the women's rights movement. Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth was another powerful supporter of both abolition and women's rights. She had been born into slavery in about 1797. Her birth name was Isabella Bomfrey. She took the name Sojourner Truth because she felt that her mission was to be a sojourner or traveler and spread the truth. Though she never learned to read or write, she impressed many well-educated people. One person who thought highly of her was the author Harriet Beecher Stowe. Stowe said that she had never spoken with anyone who had more personal presence than this woman. Truth stood six feet tall and was a confident speaker. In 1851, Truth gave a speech that is often quoted to this day. That man over here says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere. Nobody ever helps me into carriages or over mud puddles or gives me any best place. Look at me, I've plowed and planted and no, no man could head out, outwork me. And ain't I a woman? That's from Sojourner Truth. Truth, the Grimke sisters and other supporters of the women's rights movement were determined to be heard. Opposing the Call for Women's Rights. Publications about women's rights first appeared in the United States shortly after the American Revolution. However, women's concerns did not become a national issue with strong opposition for many more years. The movement grows. The change took place when women took a more active and leading role in reform and abolition. Other social changes also led to the rise of the women's movement. Women took advantage of better educational opportunities in the early 1800s. Their efforts on behalf of reform groups helped them learn how to organize more effectively and to work together. Another benefit of reform group work was that some men began to fight for women's rights. Many activists, both men and women, found it unacceptable that women were denied the democratic right to vote or sit on juries. They were also upset that married women in many states had little or no control of their own property. Opposition to women's rights. Like the abolitionist movement, the struggle for women's rights faced opposition. Many people did not agree with some of the goals of the women's rights movement. Some women believed that they did not need new rights. They said that women were not equal to men, only different, or excuse me, were not unequal to men, only different. Some critics believed that women should not try uh, to work in public for social changes. Women were welcome to work for social change, but only from within their homes. Let her not look away from her own little family circle for the means of producing moral and social reforms, wrote T.S. Arthur. His advice appeared in a popular women's magazine called The Lady at Home. Some people also thought that women lacked the physical or mental strength to survive without men's protection. They believed that a woman should go from the protection of her father's home to that of her husband's. This is the coverture system. They also thought that women could not cope with the outside world. Therefore, a husband should control his wife's property. Despite opposition, women continued to pursue their goal of greater rights. The Seneca Falls Convention. In 1840... Elizabeth Cady Stanton attended the world's anti-slavery convention in London, England, while on her honeymoon. She discovered that unlike her husband, she was not allowed to participate. All women in attendance had to sit behind a curtain in a special gallery of the convention hall. William Lloyd Garrison, an abolitionist who helped found the American anti-slavery society, sat with the women in protest. The treatment of women abolitionists at the convention angered Stanton and her new friend Lucretia Mott, a Quaker, abolitionist, and women's rights advocate from Massachusetts. Apparently, even many abolitionists did not think that women were equal to men. Stanton and Mott wanted to change this, so they planned to form a society to advance the rights of women. Eight years passed before Stanton and Mott finally announced the Seneca Falls Convention. That's a key term. The first public meeting about women's rights held in the United States. It opened on July 19th, 1848 in Seneca Falls, New York. For the next section, just note in the book, there's a little primary source of, um, of text right from the Declaration of Sentiments. So I'm going to just um, quickly read that little blurb before we get to it, okay? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted, deriving their just powers from consent of the governed. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of those who suffer from it to refuse allegiance to it and to insist upon the institution of a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So using a lot of the text right from the Declaration of Independence in the Declaration of Sentiments. Declaration of Sentiments. The convention organizers wrote a Declaration of Sentiments. This document detailed beliefs about social injustice toward women they used the Declaration of Independence as the basis for their language for the Declaration of Sentiments. The authors included 18 charges against men, the same number that had been charged against King George III in the Complaints section of the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of of Sentiments was signed by some 100 people. About 240 people attended the Seneca Falls Convention, including men such as Frederick Douglass, many other reformers who worked in the temperance and abolitionist movements were present. Several women who participated in the convention worked in nearby factories. One of them, 19-year-old Charlotte Woodward, signed the Declaration of Sentiments. She worked long hours in a factory, making gloves. Her wages were very low, and she could not even keep her earnings. She had to turn her wages over to her father, like many girls in Lowell had to do at the mills. Women's rights leaders, After the convention, the struggle continued. Women's rights activists battled many difficulties and much opposition. Still, they kept working to obtain greater equality for women. Among the many women working for women's rights, four became important leaders. Lucy Stone, Susan B. Anthony, Matilda Jocelyn Gage, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Each brought different strengths to the fight for women's rights. Lucy Stone was a well-known spokesperson for the anti-slavery society. In the early years of the women's rights movement, Stone became known as a gifted speaker. Elizabeth Cady Stanton called her the first who really stirred the nation's heart on the subject of women's suffrage, or women's wrong, excuse me. Uh, Susan B. Anthony brought strong organizational skills to the women's rights movement. She did much to turn the fight for women's rights into a political movement. Anthony argued that women and men should receive equal pay for equal work. She also believed that women should be allowed to enter traditionally male professions, such as religion and law. Anthony was especially concerned with laws that affected women's control of money and property. Anthony led a campaign to change laws regarding the property rights of women. She wrote in her diary, that no woman could ever be free without a purpose of her own. After forming a network to cover the entire state of New York, she collected more than 6,000 signatures to petition for a new property rights law. In 1860, due largely to the efforts of Anthony, New York finally gave married women ownership of their wages and property. Other states in the Northeast and Midwest soon created similar laws. Elizabeth Cady Stanton, wrote many of the documents and speeches of the movement, which were often delivered by Anthony. Along with Lucy Stone and Matilda Jocelyn Gage, Stanton founded the National Women's Suffrage Association in 1869. This organization was considered one of the more radical groups because of its position that abolition was not a more important cause than women's rights. Matilda Jocelyn Gage was a writer and she had been an advocate in New York. After co-founding the NWSA, she became the publisher of its official newspaper, the National Citizen and Ballot Box. She also worked with Stanton and Anthony to write and edit the history of women's suffrage. Not every battle was won. Other major reforms such as women's right to vote were not achieved at this time. Still, more women than ever became more actively involved in women's rights issues. Leaders such as Stanton, Anthony, Stone, and Gage continued to fight for equal treatment and recognition. This increased activity was one of the movement's greatest accomplishments. That's it for now. We'll see you next time on Social Studies on the Go.